I finished high school almost 17 years ago. So going back, it can be a little weird. Where's your locker? Um, we don't use the lockers. What? Everything's changed. We don't even have books to, to like, take home. We leave all the books in the class. So Really? Yeah, we don't. That's Gabriel Patton. He is a student at Castlemont High in East Oakland, California. He's giving me a tour. This used to be a kindergarten, I think. Really? Yeah, there used to be a big old play structure right uh-huh. here. You know, as old as this makes me feel, talking with Gabriel, even 17 years later, a lot of things are still the same. There are crushes and cliques and classes and sports and all the petty yet life-changing stuff of high school. All of a sudden, things will be okay with everybody, and then all of a sudden, things won't be okay with somebody. As in, like... Just between, like, a dispute or, like, somebody said something about somebody else. Just normal, like, high school stuff, but it happens... But here at Castlemont, you realize very quickly that it's very different. This student, he used to go here. He got shot four times. I remember I was just standing outside and, like, People were just shooting. It sounded like somebody was just off in a parking lot with just like heck of bullets, and you could and you could hear like the, that they were different types of guns. I got held up uh, in a robbery at, at the McDonald's down there. Somebody just came in there and he held the gun up to my head, and then he held it to the cashier. And then once he held it to the cashier, I looked, and the cashier she was somebody I knew that I went to church with, mm-hmm. and her daughter went to goes to Castlemont. So mm-hmm. I was shocked, and she started crying, and the only thing I could do was just run. And then there was another gunman at the other exit, too. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Today on the show, we are talking guns and gun violence and how it affects students at schools like Castlemont High all over the country. There is a reason we're doing this episode now. It's because of a tragedy at another high school on the other side of the country. It's been one year since the Parkland shooting. I am sure you still remember it. On February 14th, 2018, a former student entered Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and allegedly began shooting. In a little over six minutes, 17 of our friends were taken from us, 15 were injured, and everyone, absolutely everyone, in the Douglas community was forever altered. This shooting, like many others, horrified the nation. There were pledges of action, calls for change, the kind of rhetoric that you hear after every mass shooting. And this one, though, felt different. This time, the kids from Parkland, they spoke up and they spoke out. But one question I asked after Parkland was why we cared so much about these students when all over the country, every day, young people are victims of gun violence. The Parkland kids actually asked that same question, too. This is Parkland student Jacqueline Corrin. We openly recognize that we are privileged individuals and would not have received as much attention if we weren't for the affluence of our city. Because of that, however, we share the stage today and forever with those who have always stared down the barrel of a gun. Those other students from schools not as nice as Parkland, they don't land on the cover of magazines or all over cable news town halls. But today, we talked to them. Uh, my name is Armand Harris. Uh, I live in East Oakland. Uh, I'm, in, I'm a senior. It's my last year. Thank God. You're smiling. <laughs> um, my name is Ajane Cooper. Um, I'm a senior. I live in East Oakland. Uh, my name is Gabriel Patton. I live in East Oakland. I'm uh, in 12th grade. Armand, uh, Ajane, and Gabriel I'm are surrounded by the threat of violence, sometimes daily. But they are also working to fight that. Uh, 
all three of them participate in a program called Youth Alive. Youth Alive is a violence intervention program, and one of its initiatives is getting high schoolers to mentor young kids on the dangers of gun use and how to stop violence before it starts. The community we live in, it is dangerous, but a lot of people kind of try to ignore the fact. But at the ages of, like, 7th and 8th grade, that's when it becomes kind of more realistic. That's when you start seeing those things. But we're kind of trying to let them know, like, these things might happen around you, and we want to kind of prepare you to, like, what a wise decision would be to do in that situation. Youth Alive says that in 2017, there was on average almost one homicide a week in East Oakland. That's where these kids live. That's where Castlemont is. It is a world away from what you might think of when you hear Oakland or San Francisco or the Bay Area. East Oakland is close to all that, but it is not that. It's been plagued by gang violence and drug deals and shootings for years. The students I spoke with, they say guns, they're just about everywhere here. Here's Gabriel and Ajane. There's a very high percent of people that, like, not if they personally have a gun, like, if they needed to get a gun, they can get a gun. You're talking about in this neighborhood, in this school. Yeah, like, there's a lot of guns. (laughs) If you wanted to get it, how would you do it? You can just buy it off the street from somebody. Like, how far would I need to walk from this campus to find someone to sell me one? To be honest, you could probably just go outside. The students, they told me the story of this one time last year when they witnessed a shooting about a block from the school. He got shot. He got shot. He got shot. That he is Francois Senegal. Francois was actually a coordinator with Youth Alive when he was shot just off campus on March 27, 2018, just after school. It led from in the school that leaked to outside the school. Like a fight or something? An incident. Yeah. And he doesn't even work for Castlemont. He just... Was in the program. He's in the program, and he just knows all the kids. So he was like, I can't let the kids I know be in this type of stuff. Oh, so he tried to flee so it wouldn't be around the school. Things escalated. He ended up getting shot in the leg. Jesus. And there was heck kids there. Like, there was How far away from campus was it? It was like literally, there's a little center right here. It's called Youth Uprising. It was literally on the corner of this street. Like, oh, at the Youth Uprising. I just walked by there with the coffee shop in it. Basketball court. Yeah. Yeah, it happened right there. there. So I'm trying to wrap my head around this because it's crazy. An adult who was in an after school program to help high school students at this high school stay away from guns, he got shot by a high school student outside of this high school. Yes. Francois survived. He says he is still recovering, uh, and he hasn't returned to the program just yet. Gabriel, Ajane, and Armand, they tell me they don't carry guns, but sometimes they still carry protection. I personally, you know, I carry a pocket knife because, like, as a woman, like, you know, like... Where where is it? Let me see it. um, I think it's in my backpack. I don't think I, like, yeah, it's in my backpack. Do y'all carry anything? Sometimes I carry a knife. How big is a knife? Probably, like, the blade's probably, like, a little bit longer than my middle finger. This is nothing like what high school was for me. Probably nothing like high school for a lot of you listening. Do you, like, wake up every day and say, this is not normal, or is it just normal at this point? It's normal. It's normal? Yeah. Why? It's actually, like, a numbing. Like, you don't even feel the pain no more. It's just, like, you know that something might go on today. Like, when people really ask me if I feel safe or at home or at school, it's neither. You know, somebody could either break into your house, or you could walk out into the street, and something could happen. And then when stuff like this happens at school, like, all the time, I don't feel safe nowhere. 
So what would it take to help Armand and his classmates feel safer at school, in their neighborhood? We'll talk with an expert about what actually works to reduce violence around places like Castlemont High. And these students I'm speaking with, they tell me what they would say if they could talk to the kids at Parkland. That's coming up after a short break. I'm Sam Sanders. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rothy's. Rothy's is the everyday flat for life on the go that comes in four fashionable styles for women. The flat, the point, the loafer, and the sneaker. Fun designs and patterns while still looking polished and professional, with new colors launched every few weeks. Best of all, Rothy's are made from recycled plastic water bottles and completely machine washable, so you can feel good about wearing them. Go to rothys.com and enter code MINUTE to get your flats and free shipping. Hey, it's Peter Sagal. On Wait, Wait, Stacey Abrams gave us the secret to avoiding the curse of the State of the Union response. I drank a lot of water early. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I prayed really hard. <laughs> Stay hydrated for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Available wherever you get your podcasts. How long have you been covering gun violence and gun issues? Uh... Probably since the late 80s. Billy Weiss is one of California's leading experts on gun violence and how to prevent it. She's retired now, but she was an associate director of the Injury Prevention Research Center at UCLA. And she ran L.A. County's violence prevention program. Billy told me that when she first began looking into guns and gun violence, one big thing surprised her. How easy it was to get a gun for kids. Mm. And, I mean, in those days, people, it, you could rent them on the street. Rent them? You rent them ki- wow. from the gangs. You know, you'd rent one for an hour and a half or two hours. Are you serious? I, I am never ser- knew that. I am serious that you could rent them. And the other thing that happened that we finally stopped was anybody could sell guns in mm. L.A. If you wanted to do it legally, you got a license from ATF. Hmm. But gun dealers would drive into neighborhoods and black and brown neighborhoods primarily mm. and open up the back of their trunks and selling gu- they were selling guns out of the back of their cars. Wow. Is it better now? I mean, I know it that California better. has some of the strictest gun control we laws do. in the country now, but you look at certain places in California, That's gun right. violence is still rampant. Yeah, it's, How? it still is, but it is better. I mean, we are losing far less people to guns these days than we were in the 90s. It is much better. But as you mentioned, in some neighborhoods, it doesn't matter what the rest of the mm-hmm. the country or the county is doing. If your kids are at risk, mm-hmm. it, it still feels the same. And it, what's interesting is the public perception of it. You know, everybody sort of thinks that these the mass shootings are the big issue. And they really are a very small proportion of what happens. And Why is that the case? I mean, I skeptically want to say, oh, it's because of race. You know, the kids who are victims of these mass shootings and who perpetrate them are usually white. They are white. And the kids who experience the day-to-day slow burn of gun violence in their communities are, are mostly black and brown. Yeah, that's true. I mm. think race has something to do with it. But I also think it's the random occurrence of these mass shootings. It does feel like you're never safe. You, if you, if you, you, people feel like you can't go anywhere and you, you might get shot. Well, there's kids who live every day who can't go yeah. down the street. At Castlemont High, who we talk to, you know, they talk yeah. about just every day knowing someone in class might have a gun. Yep. 
someone down the street might have a gun. Will they have to run today? Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. And yet, that's one of the things I think that's so frustrating about this is people do not understand. I oftentimes will give people comparison about an African-American young man between the ages of 15 and 24 is more likely to be shot by a gun than almost anything else, any disease. I mean, we can't. Mm-hmm. But more Billy Weiss also told me that she learned in her years of researching this stuff that there are ways to address this problem. There are things that work. Programs like Youth Alive at Castlemont High, Weiss says those can reduce violence. Besides training young people to work as mentors, the program also connects victims of violence with counselors when they're at their most vulnerable. Like, Youth Alive will often send a counselor to the ER to check in on someone just after they've been shot. In a six-month study following these victims in 2004, after they were released from the hospital, they were 70 percent less likely to be arrested again. Programs like Youth Alive in Mm -hmm. Oakland. Mm -hmm. In Los Angeles, we have the GRID program. Mm -hmm. In Chicago, they have Cure Violence. These are programs that really not only deal with the gun issue, but deal with all of the other issues around the adverse childhood experiences. Mm. So a child in a stressed neighborhood, in a stressed family, mm. is much more impacted by violence they see on their streets, where a kid in an upper-middle-class neighborhood has alternatives. Kids in vulnerable neighborhoods and vulnerable families don't have anything to make that not seem like the way it is. So mm. you see... Uh, kids who are in gangs, and I've known over the years a lot of kids who join gangs Mm -hmm. and who are involved in some pretty heavy violence. Youth Alive, when they started, they took their kids at the most vulnerable when they were in hospitals after having been shot, and they began to train them to talk to other kids. They would go to the ER. Yeah, and then they reached out to Um, the kids who had spinal cord injuries Mm. because it's always seemed to kids on the street, oh, if you get shot and killed, you become this hero to your neighborhood. Well, these kids could say, what if you don't get killed? What if you just get shot and you wind up in a wheelchair, paraplegic or a quadriplegic? From the age of 15 on. And the rest of your life, you have to have somebody clean up after you and help Mm. you shower Mm -hmm. and dress Mm -hmm. and... That program really had a large impact on people kind of all over the country who were looking in the early 90s at ways to intervene. Yeah. What interventions in these communities do not work? Scared straight. Really? Yes. Because I've seen scared straight. I feel like, oh, that would work. No? No, no. No? No. At one point in time, I was asked to please take mothers of kids and gangs to the coroner's office to see See the dead bodies. bodies. And I looked at that person. I said, do you really think a mom whose kid is in a gang doesn't know where that's going to go? Do you really think that's going to change anything? Mm. And it's the same thing with kids. I mean, going to jail for a kid who's running from home and running from violence, going to jail is a badge of honor. It's not a, they get to be, you know, join with their gangs inside juvenile prisons. I mean, we're finally starting to get a little bit smarter about that. So there's a, there's a lot of things that don't work. Take the D.A.R.E. program. I did D.A.R.E. Did I remember you? The song. I remember, D.A.R.E. 
Yeah. To keep a kid off drugs. Yeah. Don't ask me if it worked on me. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it finally got looked at after spending millions and millions yeah. and millions on it, and they finally looked at it. Not only did it not make any difference, it, the kids who had been through DARE actually had a higher rate of drug Stop use than those it. who didn't. Why? So, well, first of all, DARE was one time mostly a fifth in the fifth grade, mm-hmm. and a cop would come into the I classroom. I, I was at Candlewood Elementary. Okay. In uh, outside of San Antonio, Texas, and they brought those police officers into class to talk to us for DARE. And how long did they stay? Do you remember? Oh, not too long, maybe like thirty minutes an hour. Thirty minutes yeah. or an hour, and you you think you're going to change somebody's life in thirty minutes no. or an hour in fifth grade? I asked the high school students at Castlemont, Gabriel and Ajane and Armand, do they think Youth Alive works on the kids they mentor? I definitely think it works. You think because it works? I re- I remember being in class when I when I was that age. People come in, they do presentations. It's like, whatever. But we come into these classes, and when we talk to these kids, that's not their reaction. Mm-hmm. They raise their hands. Mm-hmm. They tell us stories about what happens in their lives. This is something that resonates with them, mm-hmm. and they have actual experience with. It's not like they're just watching a performance of something that they don't know nothing yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe they're going to be comfortable because we're here, like, we're teenagers, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. they're middle schoolers. They're not really going to open up to an adult. And, like, I hear, like, a lot of the stories the kids tell me, and they'd be shocked. And I'd be like, you should not be going through that at that age. But then when we talk about, you know, what they can do to prevent it, you know, they'll come back and be like, oh, this is what I did, you know, to try, you know, to prevent this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd cheer them on, like, that's good, you know, like, keep trying, like, do some more stuff, like, you know? Yeah. It's time for a break. When we come back, what the Castlemont students would say to the Parkland students right now. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from WordPress.com. With powerful site-building tools and thousands of themes to choose from, WordPress.com lets their users pursue what they love by launching a site that's free to start with room to grow. Their customer support team is made of actual WordPress experts who are standing by to help you 24 hours a day, including weekends. And WordPress users own their content forever. Get 15% off any new plan purchase at wordpress.com slash minute. The world is complicated, and for many of us, history class was a long time ago. That's where we come in. I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah. I'm Ramtin Arablouei, and we're the hosts of Throughline, NPR's new history podcast. Every week, we'll dig into forgotten stories from the moments that shaped our world. Throughline, history like you've never heard it before. Most of my time with the students at Castlemont High was in a classroom, but we also went outside. I asked the students to show me where that shooting, the one where the violence prevention educator got shot, I asked them to show me where it happened. So we left the classroom. We didn't walk more than a block to be at that crime scene. They had the yellow tape right here, and they had us all behind the yellow tape. Ajane Cooper witnessed the shooting. She remembers being behind police tape crying. This is my favorite person in the world. He got shot. Like I said, nobody knows what we go through until they're walking in our shoes. So. When you're here now where this shooting went down, what do you feel now on this street, on this block? I mean, 
I don't really feel anything like 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 we were saying earlier we get numb the reality for these students and many other students across the country is that they experience a series of little parklands all the time it adds up a shooting here a close call there it can feel like every block of your neighborhood is a reminder of the violence and so it leaves students like Gabriel and Ajane and Armand conflicted. Back in the classroom, they told me, you know, on the one hand, they're grateful that America is paying more attention to gun violence after Parkland, but they want that attention perhaps focused in a different way. How do you feel seeing those kids at Parkland get so much attention and kids like y'all out here get a lot less? It feels like, okay, like their experience, I know that's like, that's terrible. I would never want to go through that. I wouldn't want to wish nobody to go through that. But, like, I think, damn, that must be one, one terrible time for them. We might not see all of our friends die at the same time, but we're definitely seeing people fade away to the same fate mm. just on multiple occasions. It's kind of like, I just hope I make the right decisions today. Yeah. It makes me feel like mad, to be honest. Like, and to be honest, and if, if something was bad to happen out here, like say if a kid was to get shot, they're gonna make every way possible to make that person look bad. For example, the girl who was killed at MacArthur Bar Station, Neil Wilson, they like made her look bad on the news by posting her, posting pictures of her with like a gun and stuff like that. And the gun was a phone case. Yes, it wasn't mm. even real. Yeah. And they chose that picture out of every single picture that she has. Nia Wilson's from the Bay Area. She was 18 when she was killed at a Bay Area rapid transit station platform in Oakland last year. She was stabbed to death by a stranger. After her death, a local TV station ran a photo of her holding a cell phone with a case shaped like a gun. The station later apologized. They said that image unfairly implied that Nia had a criminal background. And that's the one thing that came through the most when I was talking to the students. They know in detail how different their lives are from a lot of other people's and how differently they're treated. Gabriel told me about how he spent some time outside of Oakland. He was going to a different school for a while in Arizona, and he said it was nothing like Castlemont. I've been in a lot of different spaces. I've moved around a lot. It's like they take it for granted. They take what for granted? The life that they live. Safety? Yeah, like I've been, I I lived in Arizona for a little bit, and I went to a school out there, and it's, it was completely different. Hmm the way the kids act, mm-hmm. the way that, that it's like they don't do anything in particular, but it's like you don't understand what you have until you lose it. Until you lose it. And walking down the street and everybody's all happy, go lucky. It's like, man, you don't understand what it's like for people that don't have it like that, yeah. that are struggling every day. Yeah. It's like, it's like Would you peeking tell them over that? the fence. I mean... If, if it comes up in conversation, I might let somebody know how I feel. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm not going to try to ruin their day. I might try to educate them, to let yeah. them know, like, don't take for granted what you have. Mm-hmm. But it's like peeking over a fence and not being over on that side of the fence. It's like, or even if you can't get over to that side of the fence, you want to take everybody with you, too. And you can't. You heard from Gabriel Patton, Ajane Cooper, and Armand Hurst. They will all graduate this spring. 
Gabriel wants to stay in Oakland and become a firefighter. Ajane hopes to attend the University of California, Irvine, or San Diego State. And she wants to be a nurse. Armand hopes to attend the University of California, San Diego, or a state college. And he wants to be a politician or a forensic scientist. Youth Alive operates programs in 10 schools in the city of Oakland. The program says it has prevented thousands of acts of violence since 1991, the year it was founded. So far this year in Oakland, nine people have died due to gun violence. That's, on average, a little more than one person a week. This episode was produced by Anjali Sastry and edited by Jordana Hochman. Thank you for listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. Talk soon.